Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to Season 3 of Tales of Moxie. This week, we get to sit down with Kristen Funston. She's a mom of three, speaker, and author of the book, More for Mom, Living Your Whole and Holy Life. We talk about being depleted moms who need Jesus to infuse us with his strength, as well as some practical steps to kind of get us out of that depleted lifestyle that we can live in. I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now, but this interview was taken before the world pandemic hit. So keep that in mind as you're listening. And thank you. Thank you for hanging in there with us because I know it's been a little while since we've put out an episode. We're starting to get back in the swing of things and have episodes coming out a little bit more regularly. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy. Good morning, Kristen. Welcome to the Tales of Moxie. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love, I just can't wait for this conversation because I loved your book and I loved getting to kind of wrap my head around the whole concept. Your book is called More for Mom, Living Your Whole and Holy Life. And I'm going to spend so much time talking about that. But before we jump into that, I kind of want our listeners to know a little bit more about you. So could you kind of start just by telling them like who you are and what your family is like, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, my name's Kristen, (laughs) obviously, and I live with my family outside of the Memphis, Tennessee area. And we've lived here for the past 12 years, I believe. Um, I'm a military brat, so when people ask me where I'm from, I I tell them I'm from a little bit of everywhere. (laughs) But I graduated both high school um, and college, both undergrad and grad school in New Mexico, which is where I met my husband, Bryant. And um, we moved out, so we got married when I was in grad school, and we moved out to the Memphis area for a job for me. I drug him kicking and screaming, to be real honest, to Memphis. He is um, he's a Southwestern boy, so he coming to the South was kind of a, a leap for him. But we moved here for a job for me, and we've since made it home, and we have three girls now. Um, McKenna is 10, or almost 10. Oh, my gosh. Give me – I'm jumping ahead a month. Um, <laughs> McKenna is almost 10. Mita is – is five years old and just finishing up kindergarten and Rocky May is three years old. And so, yeah, that's, it's crazy full of girls and then animals as well. We, we, I love baby animals. They're my kryptonite. And so we've got a house full of uh, dogs and a cat and we even have chickens in the backyard. It's so things are crazy. And I work, um, my husband owns his own business and I work part-time at my church um, in marriage and family ministry. And then I'm a leader in women's ministry. And then of course I, I write and blog and, um, I speak, I'm starting to speak more and more. So yeah, just trying to do the thing day in and day out, you know? 
Yeah. And man, you are in the thick of it. Like your children are still at the young ages and you're doing all the things. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, that, that busy, busy lifestyle, which makes total sense. Then we'll jump into your book now. Cause you wrote more for mom living a whole and holy life. And that was kind of one of the premises was finding the abundant life that we are promised despite this crazy, busy, hectic, chaotic life. So if you want to kind of tell us who was this book for and what kind of started you to write this book and go on this journey? Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, our lives are so, so full, right? Just full of all the things that that go along with motherhood, even, even just being a woman, you know, um, we've got work and we have our families and we have, um, all the, the volunteer stuff that we do, the neighbors, the extended family, we just all this stuff. And so I, for a while, um, and even still sometimes now, um, I was living my life from, um, a place of depletion where I was giving, 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 and I didn't really have anything to give emotionally, spiritually, even physically a lot of the times. Uh, cause you know how exhausting it is to run after toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I was just giving from this place of depletion and I knew I didn't grow up in church, but just ever since having children, I started to chase after Jesus pretty hard because you know, I figured I had to get my life together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now that I was raising other humans. That's and the main reason. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so just in the past decade, have I really gone, um, chased hard after God and developed my faith. And so I knew as I studied, well, I knew that God promised this life of abundance. Um, it says so right in John 10, 10. Um, and, but I, but I didn't feel it. You know, I, <laughs> ultimately I learned that, um, faith isn't a feeling. It's more of an action, but I, there's this life of abundance that I knew he promised us, but I wasn't experiencing. And so the more I chased after God, the more I realized his promises and the truth about who I am as a child of God. And so I realized that this life of abundance is wrapped up in our identity and that we can be whole W H O L E and holy on this side of heaven. And it, it sounds pretty churchy and sounds real big and bad to say that I can be whole and holy. Um, but it's true. And so I start just started searching for these promises and why that's true. And out of it came this, this book that, cause I saw moms everywhere, just living this life of giving from a place of depletion. I knew I wasn't the only one. I had friends who were experiencing it, women that I would see at the church. Um, you know, it would, some people who are following God and chasing after this life of peace and joy that he offers, but, um, it's, it's hard. So, I mean, the day to day sucks it out of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just started researching and then I came to grips with this, this truth that more is not needed from us, but more is available for us. And so I just felt this burden to share that with women and, I like to write. And so that, that was my, 
that was my outlet was writing it, um, blogging about it. And then now this book. Mm. So I, I want to talk a little bit about living a life from depletion, because when I read that, I, I honestly sat there and thought, I wonder how many women, even listening to this, are living that life from depletion that maybe don't even know it because our society so often like rewards that kind of living from depletion. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, you know, and, and, you know, busyness is a badge of honor and the more tired we are means that we're doing better. We're, we're really running on that rat race. And so I'm kind of curious for those listeners that are thinking like, Ooh, am I living that life from depletion? Um, what does that look like? Is there, was there some way like you knew that you were just unfulfilled or you were just, were you miserable? What did that look like for you? So that maybe a listener can be like, maybe that is where I'm living right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to look, honestly, I think it's going to look different for everybody. Um, because of personality types, you know, there are, um, some women who can go, 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 go and be energized by that. And, do well. Um, and then there are others who can't. So again, I think it's going to look different from person to person, but for me, it was just this inner sense of unsettledness. Like I felt like I should be doing more, but in doing more just in whether that was volunteering at my daughter's school or doing more cooking or doing doing more, sitting down, um, more intentional time with my kids, um, reading or playing or studying God's word with them, you know? So I always felt this unsettledness, like I need to be doing more. I, why can't I, but then, um, it, I don't know. It's, it's hard because again, like I said, it, it's different from person to person, but, but for me, that was my trigger was, what I'm already doing so much. How can I do more? I think is, I, it wasn't exactly in the, those words, but it was came to this point where I was like, I have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to give. Um, and I think that was the point where I was like, you know, I, something's got to give <laughs> and it can't be me at this point. And so again, I think it looks different, but it was just a sense of, unsettledness that I just didn't have this peace, this peace that transcends understanding as the Bible says, I didn't have it about the way I was living my life and the way I was interacting with my spouse, with my kids, with my neighbors, whoever. And so, um, I just, I started writing about it and just in little snippets here, like an example here, a, a blog post about expectations or a blog post about this and that. And it resonated with people. And so, cause, so I was like, good, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you'll know, I think the people will know if they, they are giving from a place of depletion. So, so you talked just recently, just right now, you said, you know, there's, we're so used to more, from us, but there's more for us. So I, I'm curious because even as Christians, I think we oftentimes get into that um, concept of, you know, we have to be sacrificing all the time. And while we do have to sacrifice, I think that sometimes we think that that's all that the Christian life is. And so I'm fascinated by the fact that you're saying that I'm coming now to God and to the Bible and saying, 
no, there's something for me here too. So can you elaborate just a little bit more mm-hmm. on kind of what that looked like for you? Well, for me, it was rest. You know, I, um, I was feeling every single part and I still do. I'm going to come at you and say that I've got this all figured out. I still do. I still get caught in that trap of, um, you know, doing things that are not honoring to God. Um, like not observing a Sabbath day. That is probably one of my hardest things Mm. to do is just take a full day. And he says to do it. Like it's a, you know, we find freedom when we follow, uh, we find freedom when we follow his commandments. And, you know, he has offered us 24 hours of rest each week. And I just never take it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but well, I do now, but sometimes I still, I still don't. But for me, it's rest and not filling every single minute of every single day with something, whether it's, um, you know, scheduling phone calls or a coffee date or a lunch date with somebody I haven't seen. And I absolutely think that those are great things. Um, or, or, you know, and for me, I'm, I'm an Enneagram three, I'm the achiever. And so I like to, I have plans and goals. And so I, um, like I take, take all these courses online and, or go to these conferences, but I don't need to fill every second. And so, and I really needed to learn how to rest and rest well. Um, Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith has a great book on this sacred rest. And it has since reading that book, it's been a game changer for me. So I highly recommend that one, but yeah, like I said, for me, it was, it was this lack of rest. So what does, I'm going to ask you just straight up, what does the whole and holy life look like? <laughs> um, it's not going to be perfect. It's <laughs> on this side of heaven. I like, I want not a perfect life. It is not, um, it doesn't look like the highlight reel that people put out on social media. Um, it's real and it's authentic. and it is like a mom, a whole and holy mom is one first off that is a believer in Christ that she needs a savior. Um, because that is what restores her back to her wholeness, her completeness, the way that God created. It goes all the way back to the garden, um, with Adam and Eve. Um, he created them and us to be whole and complete in relationship with each other and with God. And so once we, invite Jesus in, he restores us to that place of wholeness. And then um, because of that, we can be holy. You know, when God looks at us as believers, he sees the blood of Christ and he sees someone who is already holy. Now we, we are not inherently holy, but we can live out a holy life. And that again, it's not a perfect life, but it's one that's set apart and one that's different. One that is others focused. um, One that you know, where we make mistakes, but we recognize those mistakes. And like if, when I lost my temper on my kids yesterday on Easter, of course, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) when I lost my temper on my kids, yeah, it's, I was able to recognize like, you know what, I, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. And I was able to go to them and apologize and ask for their forgiveness. And then, you know, recognize my shortcomings and know that I need a savior. Mm. So you've said, you know, rest is a really important piece and part of this. 
What other practical steps? This sounds a lot to me like kind of renewing our minds. Um, so is this something that plays a part in that? Or is that what kind of practical steps can we kind of take towards wanting to live this whole and holy life? Yeah, well, it's funny because in my book, the way I set it up, the first two chapters talk about what it means to be whole and what it means to be holy. And then right off the bat, right after that, in chapter three, I talk about perspectives and um, the mental game, you know, because we got to get our minds right. Um, and so I offer this, I talk about um, what I call um, building muscle memory. And muscle memory is ultimately the way our, our, our muscles, they automatically remember how to do something. And so I talk about building mental muscle memory. And we do that first up actually from Galatians, I think it's chapter five, where it talks about the work of the flesh and then the fruit of the spirit. And I, I, I use those because they are good. That's just a good spot um, and easy to recognize in our own lives. So we need to first identify triggers that move our minds to a place that is not of the fruit of the spirit. That is not godly. That is not holy. For example, if I'm scrolling Instagram um, during spring break or summer vacation, and I see everybody is at the beach or at this really awesome vacation, I, that can often lead my mind to a place of jealousy mm -hmm. and maybe even resentment towards the fact that I can't go on vacation for whatever reason right now, um, whether it's work or money or, you know, so I can become resentful towards my own situation and jealous of other people and need to learn to identify that trigger. If I'm, if I know it's spring break, I know a bunch of people are going on vacation, maybe I don't get on social media that week. Um, or, you know, it could be any other number of things. Um, if I get angry, I get angry about, and this is so dumb, but I get angry about shoes on the floor in my house. And I just can't understand why people can't fix their own <laughs> shoes, but I know that's a trigger for me. And so I, um, I know that right before I get angry, I see shoes on the floor or right before I get jealous and resentful, I see somebody on vacation. So those are triggers. And then um, after that, um, we need to uh, meditate on what is good. And I, this is straight from the Bible, Colossians 3, 2, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. It talks about meditating on what is good. And the Bible also talks about what is good in true and noble, noble and praiseworthy, that we need to focus on these things. So, you know, with the shoe example, my, my family they have shoes to wear. That is so good. You know, they have a home where they feel comfortable to throw their shoes around. That is so good, you know? Um, and so I've identified that trigger and I meditate on what is good. And then I need to give these people, because for the most part, whenever my mind goes to a, a bad place, <laughs> it's because of other people, you know, not, not that they intentionally do that, but it's my reaction to them. And so I want to give the people the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe my kids ran into the house real quick, kicked their shoes off and just ran to the bathroom or something, you know, maybe yeah. they had to get somewhere real fast and they mean to, they didn't mean to just leave them there to make me mad. 
you know? Um, So giving the benefit of the doubt. And then my last tip would be to kill them with kindness, you know, and this is a really practical tip, you know, We've heard that. We've heard that in kill them with kindness. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in that. Um, and getting, when we do that, when we do all four of these things, identifying their triggers, meditating on what's good, giving the benefit of the doubt and killing people with kindness, that's going to be in our own brains, not just in uh, somebody else's, but in our own brains. And um, it's, yeah, it can change our whole perspective on our day to day you know? So, yeah. And I love that too, because it's so, you know, it's important to be able to think on those things. And I'm thinking for the the mom listening, that's thinking, okay, so I, I want to identify my trigger and then I want to meditate. And then I want to give the benefit of the doubt and kill them with kindness. And if they're anything like me, they can get stuck in kind of a list of now this is what I have to do. Um, and mm-hmm. And I think what's wonderful about what you've always done is you're not adding any pressure. You're not adding any guilt. You're not saying that this is one more thing to try to cross off your list, but these are practical ways that if we think of these things a little bit more, we can kind of start to experience that whole and holy life. And I want listeners to know too that this, and you've said this before too, but this comes from a place of knowing God more. So like if we're chasing after knowing him and having an intimate relationship with him, these are going to be byproducts. These are going to happen. And maybe we need reminders here and there, but it's not going to be a checklist. It's going to be something that, like you've said, are fruits of the spirit rather than fruits of the flesh. So that's important too. Right. Well, going along with what you said, so I, this is a way to build that muscle memory. And so our muscle memory, like when we walk, our muscles just know how to do it, right? For the most part. Um, unless, you know, we're having a bad day and we're tripping and falling <laughs> everywhere. But, you know, this is, but it's automatic. And this is a workout plan to get our brains to automatically do that. Mm-hmm. So yes, it, it shouldn't be a checklist. Maybe maybe if our minds are going to that envy and strife and those other works of the flesh, then maybe we do need to step back and say, okay, number one, identify my trigger. You know, the goal of this, it's it's to be automatic. This is how we build mental muscle memory um, is doing these steps. So yeah, the goal is absolutely for it to be automatic and just, I mean, exactly what you said, everything you just said. Well, and I love, I love that you compared it to a workout plan because I'm thinking everyone I know is on some sort of workout plan right now, right? But we forget that we have to put that amount of work and effort into our spiritual life too because it doesn't just happen. Like you said, these are things, and the Bible talks about meditating and renewing your mind and transforming your mind. These are things that have to be, we have to put the effort into. And I love, I love that you said that. Like, no, this is a practical way, like a workout plan to get to where we want to be. And that will make it automatic. So that's really cool. So I'm wondering now, um, as we're kind of moving forward and they're wanting to live this whole and holy life, can you tell us now as we're kind of coming towards the end of this, what does this look like for you now? What does your life look like now that you, and I know it's not perfect and I know that it's not every day is going to be like this, but kind of the hope and the encouragement for the women that are like wanting to take this journey. What's it like now? Um, it's, I mentioned, I kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, but there for the most part, okay, again, it's not all the time. And definitely there are times of month that are worse than others. <laughs> um, but it, 
it, they, I have this overwhelming sense of peace about the way things are, you know, um, sure. I get worried and I get anxious. I am, I am openly one who suffers from anxiety and depression. Um, but I have this overwhelming sense of peace and joy and I've learned to kind of embrace this crazy because this is what God has given me right now. And it's not going to look like this in even a month from now, a year from now, definitely not 10 years from now, you know, so I have this overwhelming peace and I know, I mean, there's no way because my days are crazy and insane and people make me angry and mad, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that this comes from God. This comes from Jesus. It's that peace that transcends understanding because based on the details of my life, like there's no way I should feel this way unless it was from God. Yeah. Which is often because that's, I think oftentimes we think when we experience or when we want to experience peace, that that means that all the troubles go away. It doesn't mean that it's not, that's not what we're promised at all. So it's so important to remember, like you said, that the details will probably stay the same. This is not saying that, you know, we'll snap our fingers and life will be completely different. This is saying the way that I respond and the way that I feel will be completely different, which is amazing. And that's what Jesus promises, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just going to get better, you know, like once we're on the other side of heaven, then it's like all those crazy details aren't going to be there anymore. It's just going to be amazing. And so, um, it's just this precursor, I think a little glimpse into what he can offer us, um, in eternity, but it, yeah, but I don't want anybody to think that I, everything's peachy keen and it's all rainbows and unicorns. Cause it ain't, <laughs> it, is <laughs> it isn't not. for anyone. Um, <laughs> No, no. I mean, yeah, it's just, but it, but it's good, but it's, it, life is good. Um, and that's, I can only thank God for that. So, so I'm curious, my, my kind of last question for you here, I'm wondering what kind of level of community plays into this as well. Cause I'm, we've talked about this on our show a lot. We're all about community. And I always ask, like, there's, there's a, a level of community that plays into almost every story I've ever had on here. And I'm wondering what that looked like for you. Did you find this in community too, or did you find that this was a journey you just took solely on your own? Oh no, it was not alone <laughs> for sure. So it's funny because I just got back from Mississippi a few days ago where I was speaking to um, a mom's group down there and I shared my story about how, I mean, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for um, my friends and specifically, and this is what I talked to them about specifically my friends of faith, my Christian believing friends, um, because they are the ones who ultimately fused me to my forgiving God. Um, and I, yeah, I, so when I first had my oldest daughter, um, I was the first of my friends to get to have kids and just experience the whole, the whole overwhelmingness of motherhood and nobody got it. I felt very, very alone. I didn't have any family who lived here in the Memphis area at that time. And so I went through this season of loneliness. And at this time I was not, 
um, I believed in God, but I didn't have any type of relationship with him. Um, and by some weird, make a long story short, um, by some weird set of circumstances, I found myself in the middle of this group of like, a, it was like a Wednesday morning Bible study group, which I didn't know it was a Bible study. I just kind of went because I knew there were other moms there and I know I knew I needed other moms. And ultimately, and I'm still a part of this group. Um, and I, they are the ones and I liken them to in Luke chapter five. Um, there's a story of the, the four friends who carry their paralyzed friend on a mat, on a bed to Jesus. And I actually liken this group of women to those, um, to those guys in Luke chapter five, because, um, there's a part, I don't, I don't know the exact verse. I don't want to misquote it, but it says, um, they, they took the tiles off the roof. They put their paralyzed friend right down in the middle of the chaos. There was like a lot of people there in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess. They placed this guy's mess in front of Jesus. And because of their faith, the collective faith of the group, the guy was healed. And I, that's, that's what this group of friends was to me. Um, they put me literally like, in front of the Bible, they lifted me up in prayer and did all kinds of things that put me in front of Jesus in the middle of life, in the middle of my messy details. And um, ultimately, they're the ones that fused me to God, if you will. And, um, and I found God through community with them because I truly believe that that's where Jesus manifests himself is in the space between two people. And I, yeah, that's, I didn't, I couldn't have done it alone through prayer and just getting together, studying the word, um, and just being friends, you know, going to lunch, having play dates, that kind of thing. They're the ones who, um, fused me to my forgiving God. And it was, I can't, I am here today because of them. So that's so beautiful. I love hearing the stories of community because that's that's like you said, that's where Jesus is. Jesus is in the midst of all of that. And I love that so much. So Kristen, where can people find you if they want to read your book, if they want to read your blog, where are you at? Oh, I'm everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I'm all over the interwebs. Um, They can find me at kristenfunston.com and that's Kristen with an I. kristenfunston.com. I'm on Facebook. Uh, at Kristen D as in Dorman, uh, my maiden name, Kristen D Funston and Instagram's my favorite though. I have to tell you Instagram's my favorite and my um, name over there is K Funston. So Instagram, Facebook, I'm on Twitter sort of ish. Um, but of course my, my website and, um, and then my book, it is available at moreformombook.com. And that links back to all my, my places, my website and social media and stuff. So, yeah. I will put all of that in the show notes and um, I encourage listeners go listen more for mom living your whole life. Thank you, Kristen, so much for taking the time with us this morning and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. I had a good time. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.